0: Open your Bibles to Matthew 18. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven the disciples asked. And Jesus took a child and set him in their midst and said whoever humbles himself as a child he is greatest in the kingdom. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And if you caused one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and be drowned in the midst of the sea. Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks, for they must come. But woe to that person through whom they come. And if your hand or foot offends you, cut it off, throw it from you. It's better to enter into life without these things than it is to go into hell with both. In verse 10, let's read from the text. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 11 is in brackets, in many of your versions, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Verse 12, what do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go search for the one that is strayed? If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it. More than over ninety-nine who have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. The term little one in verse 10 Connects with that term in verse six, the danger of causing a little one who believes in me to stumble, and now he picks up the same term. It's difficult to determine. Should we stop? Should I stop last week with Matthew 18, 1 through ten? Uh, but we stop with verse nine. Verse ten is closely connected, and it is hard to break off this text. Lord willing, tonight, we want to pick up with verses 15 through 20. I was originally planning to do all of that at one time, but I thought maybe it's better to divide it up. But I want us to see each of these contextually. The statement about the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep And going to search for one that's lost, that is the statement that's just made before the Bible says, if your brother sins, go and tell him of his fault. That's a way to seek for the lost sheep. And when the Bible tells us about discipline in verses 15 through 20, It reminds us that being a shepherd sometimes will involve difficult work like that. Reproving and rebuking. But in verses 10 through 14, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. One of these humble ones to despise him is the opposite in verse 5 of receiving Him. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And see to it that you do not despise one of these little ones, one of these persons who is a disciple of Christ. We're not going to despise them. We're not going to look down upon them. For I say to you, That their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. A lot of discussion could be had on the subject of angels here. But particularly what's focused on is these angels in their proximity to God. and these little ones... Had angels that were to somehow described as their angels. But, but more importantly, these angels are in the presence of God. They're in close proximity to God. Now, Hebrews 1, verse 14 talks about angels being ministering servants to render service to those who are heirs of salvation does all of that look like and what does all of that involve I I don't know I don't know we can piece together a few things from a few places but it's difficult to tell all the details but the point is these angels are in the constant presence of God We talk about people occasionally who have friends in high places. This is the ultimate illustration of that. Each disciple of Jesus has friends in high places, have angels. In the presence of God, who continually behold His face. And therefore, that is given as an appeal not to despise one of these little ones. Now, I don't know what to say about verse 11. There is no question. Then Luke 19 verse 10, as Jesus is finishing the discussion with Zacchaeus, He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. There's no question whether that should be in our text. The reason verse 11 is in brackets is because it's missing from some of the ancient manuscripts to the text. In His textual commentary of the New Testament, Uh, Bruce Metzger states that he thinks it's best left out of this passage in Matthew. But there's no question that it's a true statement. And if it be true, it adds a reason. Not only do these little ones have friends in high places, but Jesus himself has come to search and seek for them. But the illustration that's given in verse 12 deals with the song that we have just been singing, that Phil has been leading us in. What do you think? What do you think? And that introduces the statement, if you look back in uh, uh, 1725, as Jesus was talking to Simon, what do you think? A man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone away. Now, one of the things about sheep our sheep have a propensity to get lost. I uh, preached last summer in a meeting in a place where a man had an expensive uh, ranch with sheep and goats and, and he was telling me some of the differences between sheep and goats which made that passage in Matthew 25 uh, more appreciated in my mind but, but, but the point, sheep get lost pretty easily the Bible says all of us in Isaiah 53 verse 6 all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. And sheep are notorious for getting lost easily. And if a man is a shepherd with a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, how does he respond to that? I want to tell you, the shepherd doesn't say, call me at nine o'clock tomorrow. I'm off work right now. It's 5.01. Shepherd doesn't do that. Shepherd worked long hours in difficult conditions. As we see Jacob complaining in Genesis 31.40. By day the heat consumed me and the frost by night. If a man has a sheep that goes astray. He leaves the 99 and he goes after that one that is lost. Now, there are a lot of areas in life where 99 out of 100 is a great percentage. It is a great percentage. If someone ever managed to do that in baseball, safely getting to base 99 times out of 100, no telling how much money they would make it be an incredible amount. Some ways, that's great. Most students are satisfied with ninety-nine out of a hundred. One or two that weren't, but most are. Most that exceed their expectations. Well, let's suppose you're the chaperone of an event. And you have been put in charge of a hundred youngsters. And you stop for a few moments and then you say, okay, all aboard, we're ready to leave. And you count up heads and they are 99. Do you keep rolling? Or do you stop? if you had 10 kids and 9 of them are safely home at the end of the day you don't think 9 out of 10 is not bad you go search for the one that's lost 99 out of 100 is great in a lot of areas but not For a shepherd caring for his sheep. What's a shepherd to do? Ezekiel thirty-four is talking about the leaders of Israel, and it's rebuking them. In Ezekiel 34, verse 4. But what he says to these shepherds in rebuke is a statement to all of us about what the responsibilities of a shepherd are. In Ezekiel 34.4, those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The disease, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scarred you have not brought back nor have you sought for the lost but with force and with severity you have dominated them now look at verse 16 In verse 16, this is where God promises in light of these shepherds' failures that He will be their shepherd. In verse 16, I will seek the lost, I will bring back the scattered and bind up the broken and strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy, I will feed them with judgment. But a responsibility of the shepherd was to strengthen the weak, to bind up the broken to search for those that are lost and here the shepherd who has 99 sheep leaves them all to go and search after the one that is lost I I might also make a point some of you are very aware of the fact that this particular instruction of Jesus also appears in Luke 15. In Luke 15, Jesus gives three parables, the lost son, the lost coin, and the lost the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And the parable of the lost. She just almost identical to this statement in Matthew chapter 18. But it's interesting the context is entirely different. The context of Luke 15 is the scribes and the Pharisees were complaining because the tax collectors and sinners were listening to Jesus and becoming disciples. And Jesus told this parable and these parables to instruct them how God rejoices at finding one sheep that's lost one coin that has been found or one son that comes back home. The purpose there is to show the scribes and Pharisees God's celebration at one sinner who comes home. This in Matthew 18 is instruction privately to the disciples telling them how they are to search the sheep that's gone astray. He leaves the ninety-nine on the mountains, goes and searches for the one that's stray. And in verse 13, if it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than. Over 99 which have not gone astray. The point is not to minimize the importance of the 99. The the point is to emphasize the importance of the one. To emphasize each sheep. Each sheep. In verse 14... It is not the will of your Father that is in heaven that one of His good ones buried. Second 2 Peter 3 verse 9. When the Bible talks about how some will scoff and say, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers have fallen asleep, all things have continued as they were the beginning of creation. He said, of this, they're really, really, ignorant. Because once the world was, was covered with water and the world that, as God brought destruction on that ungodly world, but he says, God is not slow concerning His promise. As some count slowness. But He is long-suffering toward us, not wishing that any should perish. But that everyone should come to repentance. For some people, they've heard it so often that they take it for granted. To other people, the revelation and recognition of this truth is eye-opening. But God wants be saved God wants you to be saved God wants you to go to heaven and as I try to say frequently God wants that more than you want that for yourself and God wants that more for your children than you want that for them. because god as god has a capacity to love to an infinite degree while even the closest parent is limited in his ability to love it is not the will of your father that one of these little ones perish god wants all to be saved and none; He wants all to come to repentance and none to perish. You remember the passages in Ezekiel 18 and in Ezekiel 33 where Ezekiel speaks of himself as a watchman who gives a warning to the house of Israel hoping that the house of Israel will hear his warning and turn from his sins. And the statement is made in Ezekiel 18 in verse 23. Do I have the pleasure in the death of the wicked the Lord God rather that he should turn from his ways and live God doesn't want his death in sin God wants him to turn to him for life and salvation in verse 32 of Ezekiel 18 for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone that dies therefore repent and live God's call to us to repentance is a loving appeal based on the fact he wants us to be in right relationship with him now if this be true that a shepherd would leave the, the 99 and go and search for the one that's lost. You heard another passage tomorrow, Matthew. Excuse me. When there was a man with a withered hand, and they said, Is it lawful? Is it good? On the side. And he said, Which of you, if you have a sheep fall into the pit, will not lift him out on the Sabbath day? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? If this be the search for the lost sheep, What should be our search for the lost disciple? This is a picture of concern for every person, every individual she. I want to tell you if you were a shepherd and the sheep goes astray a sheep wanders away a sheep is totally unaccounted for everything is put on hold everything is put on hold while you search for the one that is lost it doesn't matter what time of day it is as we stated earlier doesn't matter if the work day has ended it doesn't matter what going on in your personal life, that may be your anniversary that day, or it doesn't even matter if the NCAA tournament is about to begin. When a sheep went astray, everything else was put on the back burner. Well, you went to search for the sheep that is lost. And all energy is concentrated on bringing that sheep back. And if we want to be great in God's sight, we must seek the sheep that's lost. Look at John 21. This is a passage that you are pretty familiar with. At least that is my guess. After Jesus has denied, after Peter has denied Jesus three times, Jesus three times asked Peter, do you love me? In verse 15, so when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my lamb. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. If God searches for the lost sheep, then truly doing this is his work. Seeking for the lost sheep is doing the Lord's work. I looked for this. I know who wrote it. I know about the time it was written. But I could not find the article online. I will share it with you fearing I may have missed some minor details, but trying to relate it as best as I can remember Preacher wrote an article several years ago in a paper circulating among brethren, and a couple had told their story of going to 14 different congregations. 14 different churches as a witness congregation, each time they gave their name and their phone number and their address. and in every case left a contribution in a few of those cases, left a contribution of $1,000. So they visit these churches, they fill out their name and address, they stay around and talk afterwards and meet people. Fourteen different churches, you know how many? Got in touch with you. As I remember, one or two of them, they got some type of form letter. Never received a phone call. They never received a visit. Now, those people may not have been sheep yet. But what does that say about how well we do with this principle? But when we see this picture and remember the one who spoke it, it reminds us to look back at Jesus as the chief shepherd. He is the chief shepherd, and at the same time, he is a sheep. I say it from this perspective. In Isaiah 53 verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He did not open His mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. We are like sheep in that we go astray. He is a lamb in that he suffers without protest, without objection. He is like a lamb led to the slaughter and the sheep upon his shears is silent so he did not open his mouth. He is the good shepherd in John 10. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Often to be a shepherd meant that you risked your life and you put yourself in precarious positions. For example, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David, in being a shepherd, had to fight with a lion, he had to fight with a bear. But most shepherds lived to tell the story. Most of them didn't die in their line of work, but he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep listen to these words again none of the ransom ever knew how deep were the waters crossed nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. For out in the desert he heard its cry to a sick and helpless and ready to die. Lord, whence are these bloodstrops all the way that mark out the mountain's tracks? They were shed for one who has gone astray. the shepherd could bring him back. Lord, whence are the hands which are thy hands so rent and torn, their peers tonight by many a thorn. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. All of these passages on the board speak of Jesus as the Good Shepherd in 1 Peter five four he is the chief shepherd in first Peter chapter two twenty five he is the shepherd and guardian of our souls. The context there is talking about his crucifixion as well. Revelation 7, verse 17, combines this idea of Jesus as the sheep that was slain, the lamb that was slain, and Jesus as the shepherd. They're combined in Revelation 7, verse 17. For the lamb, the lamb that was slain, as Revelation so often calls him, the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. The Lamb is their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Do you want proof that God wants you to be saved? Do you want proof that God wants you to go to heaven? Look at the cross of God. That is all the proof that we need. Let us pray. Oh Lord our God. We are in awe at your love for every one of us. And the depths to which you have gone to save us. We can never adequately express our thanks and our gratitude for what you have done. Thank you, O God, for the mercy and grace you have shown us in Christ. And help us to imitate This example of searching after the one that is lost. Hold us, Lord, in your hand. In Jesus we pray. Amen. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is wanting you to believe that He came to this world to die for your sins, that He's raised get on your behalf, and that breaks your severed heart, that you will not walk your way, but that you will follow His way. And you will humble yourselves before him. He wants you to do that and be baptized into Christ for remission of sins. And we are glad to help you if we stand and sin.